Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allendary, and I'm an infectious disease specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health education expert, that's me, talk to healthcare professionals about what you need to know about COVID-19, as well as community and public health. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. Hospitals to deny organ transplants to the unvaccinated. Imagine if your loved one was in need of an organ transplant to save or prolong their life. Now imagine being told that they would not receive that life-saving organ only because they decided not to get vaccinated against COVID-19. How would that make you feel? Now, as reported by the Washington Post, UC Health, a Colorado-based health system, says it is denying organ transplants to patients not vaccinated against the coronavirus in almost all situations because studies show that these individuals are more likely to die if they get COVID-19. The policy illustrates the growing costs of being unvaccinated and verges on being controversial because essentially the policy uses immunization status to decide who gets certain medical care. The mere idea of prioritizing the vaccinated for ration health resources has drawn intense backlash as overwhelmingly unvaccinated COVID-19 patients push some hospitals to adopt crisis standards of care in which health systems can prioritize patients for scarce resources based largely on their likelihood of survival. UC Health's rules for transplants entered the spotlight recently when the hospital denied a kidney transplant to a woman solely because she was not vaccinated against the coronavirus. The woman was to be inactivated on a kidney transplant waiting list and had 30 days to start coronavirus vaccination. If she refused to be vaccinated, she would be removed from the list. UC Health declined to discuss particular patients because of federal privacy laws, but the health system recently confirmed that nearly all of its transplant patients and organ donors must get vaccinated against the coronavirus, in addition to other vaccinations and health requirements. Spokesperson Dan Weaver said that other transplant centers in the U.S. have similar policies or are transitioning to them. Conditions on organ transplants are not new. Transplant centers around the country may require patients to get other vaccinations, stop smoking, avoid alcohol, or demonstrate that they will take crucial medications in an effort to ensure that people do well post-surgery and do not reject organs because there is such a fierce competition for them. Multiple studies show that COVID-19 is especially deadly for recipients of kidney transplants. The mortality rate observed for transplant patients who develop COVID-19 ranges from about 20 to more than 30%, far higher than the 1.6% fatality rate generally observed in the United States. The hospital spokesperson went on to say that an organ transplant is a unique surgery that leads to a lifetime of specialized management to ensure an organ is not rejected, which can lead to serious complications, the need for a subsequent transplant surgery, or even death. Physicians must consider the short and long-term health risk for patients as they consider whether to recommend an organ transplant.
And COVID-19 definitely counts as a significant health risk for an organ recipient. Yeah, I 100% agree with this policy. I just want to be on record to say that if you are getting a transplant, this is a highly specialized surgery. The organs, there are more people who need organs and there are organs available and the doctors who perform these surgeries are highly specialized and all they're trying to do is make sure that the survivability Mm -hmm. of the patient is the highest that it can be. And that's our job as physicians is to make sure that when we do an intervention, that the intervention that we do is going to increase the likelihood of better or good outcomes or positive outcomes. So for me, this rule was a no brainer. And like they, like we said in the article, they already mandate other vaccinations, right? Right. They mandate lots of other things. So it's really important that we recognize that because people are at such high risk for mortality after getting a organ transplant, because they are on medications that suppress your immune system so that you will not reject the organ. And so this is why vaccination is so important. Yes. virtual learning, and the education achievement gap. When the COVID-19 pandemic hit and schools were forced to pivot to virtual learning, many did not know what to expect. This concept of virtual learning that was once foreign for many has now become commonplace in education. Plenty of schools across the nation spent the majority of the year in a hybrid platform or bouncing between completely virtual and some in-person learning. At this point, returning to full in-person instruction feels strange for many students. Yeah, because distancing learning has exacerbated the long-standing social class achievement gap issue our nation's education system faces. Students from higher income areas are more likely to succeed and excel in common education metrics, while students from lower income areas are less likely. For starters, access to technology, internet, and familiarity with digital tools are already lower in low-income areas when compared to higher-income ones. When students were required to become distance learners, these issues became far more pronounced. And furthermore, virtual instruction has led to students leaning on parents and guardians at home more than ever before. The availability of support in the home is not the same across social classes, further separating achievement between those classes. In addition, support offered by schools is disproportionate across the classes. One would assume that more support will be offered to schools with lower income or working class families that do not have as much availability to support their children in school. However, this is not the case. Extra material and human resource support was actually offered more frequently to students from upper and middle income families. They benefited from additional resources and one-on-one meetings with teachers to provide more direction and instruction for at-home support. Specifically in the U.S., these issues resulted in a divide in education time lost between races. People of color lost an equivalent of three to five months of instruction, while white students only lost one to three months of instruction. My goodness. More research is needed to observe the education loss and the achievement gap during virtual instruction and whether or not the gap diminishes as in-person instruction begins. This issue is unprecedented and there is no previous data to lean on. 
and used to guide the transition back to in-person instruction. Teachers and school administrators are looking for ways to catch up on lost instruction time and bring many students back up to grade level. Yes, indeed. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast, follow us on social media, and to leave us a review, letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Hickerson, at www.hopehickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry, that's D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and to see and share our amazing animations and to find out more information about us and the show, go to noisefiltershow.com. Just as a reminder, COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus, HIV, do share the same risk factors. We are so grateful to our sponsors, Access Health Louisiana, and to the South Central AETC. You can learn more about them at www.scaetc.org. Hope, any last words? Yes, stay well out there, folks, and continue taking the steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, and seeing your healthcare provider regularly. And protect yourselves and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. As an infectious diseases doctor, I also want to share with the healthcare providers in our audience that the HIV Care Tools app was recently launched by the AIDS Education and Training Center, the AETC. And it's a fantastic tool for ensuring your patients have access to the best standard of care. I encourage you all to check it out. And remember, health is a human right.